Thank you again for joining us on Corner of the Clubhouse. I'm Kyle Blanks, and on this episode, we'll be talking with Jeff Wilson. Jeff is a sports writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, who's currently in his 14th season. I met Jeff in 2015 as a member of the Texas Rangers and reconnected with him in 2019 as we worked together publishing an article about the drug policies in Major League Baseball. Our conversation begins discussing more policies of the game like collective bargaining, as well as other scenarios around baseball. Jeff is also one of the founders of the Do It For Durrett Foundation, which he explains a little more towards the end of the episode, and we will have a link to in the description. Corner of the Clubhouse is proudly part of the Shameless Podcast Network. We want to thank you, as always, for taking the time and hope you enjoy. Back again on Corner of the Clubhouse with uh, Jeff Wilson. And I met Jeff in 2015 as a member of the Rangers and he as a writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and reconnected with, with Jeff in 2019 and the article we actually reconnected uh, that he helped he wrote and um, put out was addressing the drug policies of Major League Baseball. So it is uh, pretty interesting um, that we do have this connection and really do get to kind of bounce these things off each other as far as policy because of where we both stand and our perspectives of uh, where we have seen the game from. So just uh, want to let Jeff introduce himself and, and we'll get into this. Well, Kyle, you covered a lot of it. Um, yeah, I've worked at the Star-Telegram um, covering the Rangers for 14 years now, but uh, I've worked at the Star-Telegram since my freshman year of college in 93, so okay. uh, I, I, I've, I've worked there more than half my life, and um, or, yeah, anyway, long time, but um, yeah, the, the story that, that you and I worked on, um, you know, uh, it, it, it started out, um, your, your impetus, I think was, uh, the, the, in the, in the wake of, uh, the Tyler Skaggs death and, you know, he had an accidental overdose and, um, uh, it was in, it was in our area that the Angels were going to play the, uh, the Rangers, uh, the, the day he, he passed and, um, you know, with, with what you do and, and, uh, how you see, uh, the advantages of, of, of uh, cannabinoids and, and uh, the benefits of them, and and also you've been you know your your career you were you were injured a lot, and then how how to deal with injuries and, and, and hard times. And, you know, I think the thing that didn't come through in, in the story that I wrote was how, how much you want to help uh, players, and uh, you know that's that's a pretty, pretty admirable trait. A pretty admirable thing to want to do, and, and there are a lot of a lot of players out there that need need the help. No, I, I definitely appreciate that, and I, I um, am really glad that shines through because I think my experience, once again, was not basically what this podcast is is centered around is trying to unpack the reality of how it actually went and how it goes for most uh, most of those who go through that experience and. That was great great for me that I was able to actually reconnect with someone who truly understood what I was trying to do because you weren't the first person I, I spoke with. And what came out of that wasn't uh, what I ideally was looking to try and generate, which is just simply some interest on the subject because of how fast I started to understand the, move cy- the, the news cycle moves. 
and really mm-hmm. didn't want this to get swept under like anything else could just because of time. And that's why being able to bring you onto this type of, of a platform to really get into these type of discussions, because your perspective is also um, very intriguing because it, it definitely uh, is a lot more insightful than the general person and also has a lot more access and insight because the people developing it want it known. So it's definitely going to be accessible to writers and, and people trying to, to get it out there. But when the reality of what it is kind of comes to light, that's where we get to have this conversation and really break down what you had, had described earlier in your own words as, um, and I'll even just let you kind of take it from there, but it was really just kind of going over what, it generally is uh, so collective bargaining is something that happens uh, every handful of years in baseball. It may or may not come up across, uh, you know, kind of publicly like the deadlines coming. Sometimes those agreements do or are reached prior to when the deadline of needing to reach a new one is. So there's rarely any hang up. And over the last year, 2020, uh, going the way it went, the bigger thing that we are really looking to unpack here is how is this new agreement going to look and what's the context of it going to look like to all of us. So, um, that was, that was really why bringing Jeff here. Um, really just wanted to kind of let him go and, and really explain this because my, myself included, I'm very intrigued about how do you intend to have these arguments when last year, uh, stumbled along the way it did. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I, I think. I think. I think baseball fans need to be need to face the reality that um, there could be a work stoppage. You, know, you just you just look at how uh, the acrimony and the relationship between the players and the owners. Uh, there's so much distrust uh, that goes both ways, and um, it's 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 really it it really hurts the sport last year. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Baseball had a had a chance to. You know, be the first sport back. You know, be the be the first pro sport back at a time when people were were uh, you know afraid of catching COVID. They were in their homes. They were stir crazy. They wanted a, a form of entertainment. And you know, the America uh, America's pastime, national pastime, could, could could come to the rescue and, and give these people uh, entertainment um, and and really change the opinion of the sport. You know, it's, it's declined in popularity so much. It's really not the national path anymore. I think, I think everybody would, would agree with that. Um, but instead baseball blew it. They, you know, the owners and the players got to a pissy match about how much they're going to get paid at a time when, you know, there are 30 million people unemployed in, in the country. And then uh, businesses were faltering and, uh, 401k plans were, were, were suffering and all, all sorts of things. People were really worried about money. And then you had billionaire owners and millionaire players, you know, squabbling over money, and they're going to be fine when they came out on the other side. So it, it, it was a real black guy. They, 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 both sides used the media to, to get their points across and to try to make the other side look terrible. And um, look, there's going to be a repeat of that. I, I really, I really don't see how it, it's not. And um, it's it, it'll it'll you know. You'll probably hear more and more of it as the season comes along, and, and uh, but the, I think the 
the CBA expires December 1st or some point around there. And uh, it, it could come to a head at, at that time. You know, if the, you know, the, the players will, will want uh, more, more, more money, obviously. They'll want uh, more, more uh, uh, luxury type items and, and, and amenities for the players. And, you know, owners, as, as, as they sit here and say that they're, they're broke, you know, these billionaires with their pockets turned inside out. Um, they're not going to, they're not going to want to budge money. So this could be, this could be a pretty painful, painful off season coming off a, a really bad season for, for baseball. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult to, you know, and we, and once again, to anyone listening, this is, this is round two of this. Um, uh, definitely ha- had a little mishap on round one. So, uh, just trying to bring up all the points we had addressed before, but you know, a uh, a lot of what goes into these uh, these these agreements, these hearings, this bargaining is meant to benefit players all the way around. You know, from top to bottom. If you have a day in the big leagues, the goal is for all of this to support you as well as it can. And the problem becomes when, um, you know, I think what really happened last year is the depth of of what gets argued over was exposed and the nature of how ugly those arguments can get was exposed and that's what everyone got to see and that that was only something that you know it didn't have to happen it was something that clearly did happen but it was not in the favor of what was best for everybody. It was truly what was exposed was that true uh, different sides of the fence. You know, you really got to understand that these are people who own a business and are trying to maximize how much money that business can make. And on this side of it are the people working for it, trying to fight for what they believe is best for their work. And once again, that's just the objective framework of it. Now you now put into the context of reality, you actually got to see what they were arguing over. And that's the that's where it becomes just it becomes ridiculous. And when you can foresee those are the things that are becoming more prevalent asks and, and the things that are becoming more of the desire of, let's say, the upcoming generation, they expect those things to be there when they're there. Um, that's where these types of of bargaining agreement heads, these types of things, when these start start to come up in the future, they're going to be influenced by that culture of how everything has been rolling behind the scenes. Yeah. They're, you know, the, these players, um, yeah, not, not, I mean, I'm, I'm 46. So it's not like I'm from the fifties and sixties when, you know, before free agencies or when, when players didn't have a lot of choices, and, um, you know, there, there weren't great clubhouses and, Obviously, there was no off-season workout programs and weight rooms and, and things like that. Uh, but to today's to today's players, I don't I don't think. And Kyle, you're not too far removed. I have it really, really good. And, you know, stay in the best hotels, fly charter flights. Uh, major league players don't have to do anything with their luggage. You know, they have a lot of things catered to them, and um, the the things that that in the last CBA they asked for, um, like, you know, having your own row on the bus. So, so each player 
has his own has his own role on the bus. Nobody nobody can sit next to a player anymore. I mean, that, that, that seems pretty ridiculous. Something, some, but it was something that they that the players wanted in the new CBA. I mean, so those are the, the nitpicky things, the the maybe some the things of entitlement perhaps that that were argued over last time, and uh, you know nothing nothing like that came out trying to in trying to create last season, which ended up being sixty games. But you know the the players ultimately tried to make Rod Manfred look bad. You know, Rod Manfred's just a representative of the, these billionaire owners who who have all sorts of sources of income. Yes, they run businesses. The baseball team is a business, but they were they were wealthy before they bought the baseball team. Otherwise, they couldn't have bought the baseball team. Without a doubt. Uh, Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, but but the, the players ended up taking less money than um, they 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 could have made more money had they agreed to uh, uh, a proposal from ownership. Um, Couple proposals for play more games, and um, it, just, it just didn't work out. You know, they, they they stood on principle. They felt like ownership was trying to uh, wiggle out of the contract agreement, so they put it on on Manfred. But you know, it, but that's the level of distrust. They they didn't they didn't distrust, and and even even going into this what what is now the 2021 season, uh, Major League Baseball wanted to delay spring training by a month. Uh, there was a there was a, a a story that the president Biden wanted to get the players vaccinated, and 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 the players association refused it because they didn't trust the players or they didn't trust the owners. They thought the owners would then attempt to pay the players less. So that's the level of distrust here, and um, you know it's not suddenly going to get 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 patched up with 162 games with some fans in the stands. It's just not going to happen. So. Um, it's it's really uh, you know he, he, there are a lot of problems with baseball. I mean, there's no uh, the, you know, numbers of African American players are declining sharply. Um, you know the the, the fans fans not being in stands because of COVID is an issue. Um, but but you know the pace of play, good lord, it's awful. But this uh, this, this upcoming labor spat has a chance to be the, the worst of all. Well, and, and it's interesting because I think all all of baseball, all teams are set up to function under the framework of a business. That is where all of these problems stem from. You know, the purity of baseball, and we talked, we talked about, we have talked about that before. The purity of baseball is amazing for what you can get out of it. It's incredibly dark once you wrap a business around it, because now once again, you run into insulations issues, addressing the insulations of the game, things like that, where, you know, I've, I never, I didn't hear that issue. I mean, I follow what I can, but I, I'm not too deep into this, but hearing that is just absurd. Like I, I understand what that experience, uh, may, I under what some, I understand what some people want that experience to be, but when you're just making it worse and worse uh, as far as how you're training people to treat other people, it, it really does become disturbing because that's, that is not really you know, what that team-oriented game was centered around. And it's, it's why, once again, it's why there's always going to be that butting of heads because 
that framework of business is what butts head why the players who play the game and understand it butt heads with the people who are trying to quantify all of these unquantifiable things about this beautiful game and change it to be able to get a hold on them. You're never going to have these, you're never going to have a, a, a clean back and forth. But once again, the farther you get away from being reasonable, you run into these bigger issues. And that's what we're going to mm-hmm. start to see. Like you said, it's just going to be, it's just going to be a dogfight for every last penny because there's no trust. Correct. And yeah, there, there are still people who are suffering financially, you know, these stimulus checks, a lot of people need them. And, and when it comes down to it and they, if they were to hear a story or read a story about what these guys are fighting over, it could turn off what's already a, a shrinking fan base. And, you know, you, you just mentioned it and we talked about it uh, previously. Uh, baseball is beautiful, man. When you, when you strip it down, uh, just put the game on the field and, and at every level, it's great. You know, strategy, guys trying hard, um, just the, the, the talent. And there, there's a lot of joy that, that you, you see every game and every dugout. And it's, it's great. It's an unbelievable sport. And, uh, you know, that's why it was so popular for so many years. And, and, and now it's at crisis level with, uh, uh, popularity, uh, for a number of reasons. And, you know, I keep saying this, you know, they, they had a chance last year, shot themselves in the foot and they might blow the whole foot off with this, uh, with this upcoming labor thing. Yeah. It becomes more and more difficult. Because, you know, as we talked before, to me, the game is just a different game from when I exited. It's, it's just simply like all I really dealt with was, you know, my, my last two years were in the minors. So, you know, spring training, you're not dealing with the same issues of the season. I dealt with a little bit of replay in 2015. That was really all I, all I was going through. So there wasn't this ish, these issues of how the game is treated now. And that's, once again, that's influenced by business. It's influenced by culture. It's influenced by so many things that if you, once again, if you are trying to uh, have anything more than influence on the ride, you're, you're going to falter, you know, and you're clearly starting to see what happens when everybody can't have what they want and nobody's willing to give up any of that and it's and it really does appear very uh i don't know very uh juvenile especially knowing how much money is at stake for everybody it's it just yeah becomes, and, go ahead and and they're they're it seems and we we talked to, again they're it's like they're so insulated from from what from outside opinion i mean i know a lot of these guys uh will will read their stories or their wives will tell them something that was written bad bad about them or something like that but that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about like the the world they live in uh from february to october um it's it's you know all this about bubble it's a bubble i mean they don't they don't I don't think they understand what the rest of the country 
what everyday folks are going through. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very public business, yet they don't understand the ramifications of their actions. I, I, I don't think. And, um, you know, maybe there are some players who are a little more savvy about it and understood the, the, you know, the, the black guy that, that, you know, the players and the owners created for the sport last year. But I don't think, I don't think a lot of them really, really care as long as they get theirs. And, and that's just the, the, the in, insulated world they live in. Definitely, definitely have to agree with the bubble, um, you know, and coming from the, you know, just kind of comparing it to the era I really uh, inserted into and kind of had had the privilege of getting to kind of wander in that world for a little bit, you know, getting into it and then seeing, um, you know, in 09, still a pretty analog world compared to now, you know, your phone was mainly still text, you know, so there wasn't this need to take pictures, do this, this, this. Um, it just wasn't there yet. So the public mm-hmm. nature of baseball was not the same, you know. And and once again, the the ability to to retain your anonymity was far easier. You actually had to to put in more energy to get more attention for yourself. And I think as over the last few years, just a, a very sharp uh, uptick in in how much more public the game has become. And a lot of that is because of exposure by the players. They are, you know, they're through their social media, through, um, for all reasons, good, bad, and indifferent, there is this far greater insight into the lives and uh, homes and all of these crazy experiences of, way more players and and that's all a product in my opinion of the players giving people that access which is something I was never really into you know I'm I'm here to do this I'm happy to talk to you how I have to talk to you but other than that I'm just trying to be as polite and nice as I can because that's who I am but I don't you know like I'm not from Texas I'm not from California I'm not I'm not from these places like I don't I, I honestly don't know anybody here it's not to be mean. It's just to kind of address it. And, and that's exactly why during the time I played, I was never that type of person to just hand out that type of um, ammunition, I guess, as a player. It was never really my goal to try and get any more attention. I, I you know, and it's not to like not even to point out anything other than just the obvious. I'm just if I walk into a store, I'm just typically one of the taller people in the store. I, I have enough. I deal with enough attention. I've dealt with it for a long period of my <laughs> life. You know, I've been, I've been this, this height for a long period. And as, as a player, I was way, had way more mass. I'm far, I've lost quite a bit of weight since I started playing. So, or stopped playing. So I, I, I understand the attention just objectively being a tall person gets you, let alone wearing glasses, talking on a phone in a ridiculous outfit, making sure everybody knows who you are. That is just what's once again, that is part of this uh, projection and and true insight that you're giving people to judge you on and feel a certain way about you when these types of issues come to a head, like a bargaining agreement about a bunch of things that now everybody knows kind of what you're complaining about. They actually just have an understanding now of what you are fighting for. Well, it, 
you're you're right. You know about about social media um, kind of taking off, and um, really when the the first the first time I I remember it taking off from a journalism standpoint, at least to us, was uh, when the team was in bankruptcy in 2010 and got sold, and the the news broke on Twitter, and uh, there was one of our writers who who broke the news, and you know. Next next day, we all had Twitter accounts, <laughs> and uh, you know, absolutely. But, but, you do, but you do see more players these days self marketing or self promoting. You know, I, I think you know, Trevor Trevor Bauer is probably the the one that comes to mind in the baseball realm. Um, you know, and and maybe some of that was his you know his, his contract situation during the off season. You know, he was the biggest free agent and end up getting a huge deal on, on a short term, but still, um, you know, he, he did a lot of social media. I don't, I don't follow a lot of, uh, other, I don't follow a lot of players, period. Uh, I don't follow players from other sports, but you know, you, you can, you'll end up seeing it, you know, TMZ, a Twitter spat or something like that between guys. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's self-promotion and, and, and I think they know exactly what they're doing these players. So, uh, and they probably have agents who are saying, "Hey, you, this might not be a bad idea." Well, one, one deal uh, last year before the season, before all the madness, the Rangers were were uh, taking batting practice and their yet to be completed stadium for like a photo op. And mm-hmm. there's some guy walking around with a camera who I'd never seen before. And I asked one of the Rangers PR people, "Who's that?" And he said, "Oh, it's this guy. He's a social media guy." I was like, "What is this? So, I mean, guys, players have social media guys." Well, come on, but you know that's it was it was it was it was somebody's personal social media guy, right? It was not the Rangers. Okay, yeah. okay. It was, a, it, was a, it was the players. One player's social media guy. I was like, come on. You know, it's so. it's it's interesting to to engage those things because um, you know, once again, my me exiting the game kind of I, I just it just wasn't my wasn't my thing. It's, you know, if I was to explain it objectively, what social media provides for athletes is, and this is something I, that was told to me a very long time ago, and it was pre, pre the ability to actually pull it off, unless you had a shit ton of money to pull it off. Um, I was, I was told about building my brand and Mm -hmm. it's a very interesting concept if you know what people are talking about. So this this building of your brand is is arguably something that when social media hit big for most athletes that building your brand is the the logo that your initials can be the um, silhouette that your swing can be the all of these crazy crazy thoughts that truly are now within the realm of your control you you hit a home run anywhere it's actually out there for everybody to see you know you make this play it's actually out there for everybody to see and if you're very good at marketing those things or pr- putting them places it's why i can go through social media and see people that you know once again i i my goal isn't to use it the same way but seeing people that have large followings and have yet to play professionally it's impressive and and some of it is too because arguably to me objectively uh, pretty home runs a pretty home run i'm i'm cool watching a highlight of just random home runs i'd rather hear a wood bat than a metal bat but 
I, I think it's it's cool to see a good swing. You know, I, I don't mind just watching a pretty swing because baseball is beautiful. But it, it is interesting what happens when that build your own brand kind of has has time catch up with it. And now you have all these resources at your fingertips to be the best and everyone can find out about you. And, and you can you actually have the ability to reach out to to um brand other brands and market and do these really interesting things that everybody really wants to do. And I'll just, I'll just flat say like, it's, it's interesting because kind of, kind of like the, the way some of those, those luxuries of that prior CBA conversation or, or collective bargaining conversation went, it really only benefits a few people. Like, a lot of those things really only benefit a handful of people. What good is it if the conditions are awesome, but only a handful of people are there long enough with a turnover enough, you know, like uh, throughout the turnover of time to enjoy those types of spoils kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. like that's, that's how I look at that. And it's, and it's because that, that build your own brand for whatever reason, it just never really resonated with me. It sounded like too much self-promotion and it was never something I appreciated because I, once again, from the time I was a little kid, I got a ton of attention because I was always bigger than all the same age kids that I was, I was thrown with. So it just, I think that's the effect that had on me of just like, you don't want this. Like you definitely don't want, you don't want any more than what you got. And and then once again, once you get to the big leagues, you could have no phone and you have the, a world of problems to deal with. It's, mm -hmm. it, it becomes its own, it becomes its own um, world you have to acclimate to. And that's why we're kind of talking about that. When you lose touch with those worlds that you come in and out of within that, you know, about eight months stretch of the year where you get a couple to yourself, but realistically you're pretty invested only in yourself in those points. And we talked about that before too, is it's, it's not that you want to be selfish, but to be able to compete at an extremely high level, a lot of your actions end up being selfish. And a lot of the people around you typically support them because they understand that. But that's the thing I'm starting to see as someone who went through it, never like never paid a trainer other than other than learning kettlebells because I didn't want to hurt myself. And that once again, too, that was in 2006 or something, you know, well before I just I was told about it. I would have never, ever found out about something like that, having, you know, been in the bubble I was in. Just just go in there and do what you got to do and come into spring training and and go hope it goes well. You know, like I, I was always more trying to influence the ride than trying to win the game. You know, like I, I it, it seems like I'm in these torrential seas when I treat life like a game because life doesn't give a shit. So it, it's like when I just work on the influence side of things and that's where around the time I was in Texas, it really started to click for me as a player. So it's like my health was failing, but my my acuity as a player was starting to grow at least about myself. I was just far more understanding of what I was capable of doing. But a lot of that was because I put that focus on myself, not on making everybody focus on myself, you know, trying to build that brand. It was always, and I was always hurt. So I always had to rebuild. I didn't have time to, 
do those types of things that now I know, unless you do pay somebody else to do it like that, you just don't have the time to do it because of how the, the production value it's gotten to. It, you know, it's just, uh, and, and the, the, the way the game has changed, um, not just social media, but, uh, the on the field stuff, it, it, it's new really since it's gone to a, a new level since you, you left the game with analytics and, and, uh, you know, there, there are, every team has a, basically a team of, of nerds that just run, <laughs> run numbers and, oh, and, and, and throw stats at players. And, uh, I tell you what, I don't think a lot of, I don't think a lot of it is us players understand it. And, and that's not, you know, I don't think I understand. That's not a shot at, at saying players are dumb. I just think that, you know, all this new information, it, 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 it's part of, it's part of a grind, a part of a, a mental grind that, that the, the players go through and, uh, you know, frustration, you know, I couldn't imagine being a left-handed hitter these days, you know, all the shifts and, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's just, and, and teams think they can, you talk about, you know, you were rebuilding yourself or reinventing yourself. Teams now think they can reinvent any player based on these, these, these stats, you know, these, these high analytic numbers and hot zones and spin rate and all kinds of crap like that, that, that didn't exist until five years ago. And, uh, you know, for the game was pretty good for 120 years. And then all of a sudden people are wanting to reinvent it, you know, and, and it, but it goes back to the business model. And once one team does it and another team does it and has success, everybody wants to do it. So, I mean, it's just, uh, and that, and that, and that's, you know, it's cheap, it costs money. And, and so, um, it, it's just, it's, it gets back to the business and, 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 and when it's the, you're talking about the owners and the money they want to put out, well, being a player is a business too. And, um, and, and it gets back to the self-promotion and, and living in the bubble and all of that. It, it's, it's just, a, a, it's a it's a big mess that I don't think a lot of people know exists. No, and and truly, like the the depth that it gets to is just, you know, I I, I just kind of always keep notes with me. But you know, the biggest thing is, can you can you quantify baseball? That's that to me is what the last few years of this this alteration of what used to be baseball into what is arguably more quantifiable form of the game. It's got clocks on it. It's got it's got these things on it. You that these little controllers that are trying to change what the outcome can be, have influence over the outcome. And you know, it's I I definitely like the um, you know I'll let I'm glad you said nerds in the game. I'm just going to address that that uh, that group. But I you know I never had a problem with anybody who genuinely was trying to help me. And. That be that kind of in lies the issue. All of these teams gather this team to help you in one way. And if it doesn't mesh with you, it's not helpful. That's the benefit of having those coaches in the minor leagues that, that you go in the cage with and they say, get comfortable and swing. Mm-hmm. And, and then let's see what happens. Not do this, 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 and this is how it works. Like, that's just that's just an absurd fucking thing to suggest to anybody trying to, you know, and, and what I've seen in baseball is this is simply my opinion. So anyone who would be upset about it, it's just the way I've seen it. But 
what I've noticed is the difference in valuing stats is why the stats have changed. Like the, it, uh, where I inserted in the game of baseball is right around the money ball time. And actually uh, the farm director or whatever, whoever the shit would be in charge of that, that, you know, running that, that ship at the time ran, ran Moneyball, And mm-hmm. it was interesting that it's, once again, it has its holes. Like it's in practice. In, in, let's say this in philosophy, it makes all the sense in the world. Getting the more you get on base, the more runs you should score. Now, sure. uh, I'll tell you one of the holes of it. One game I watched as our brass was in town and we had just very recently been told we were swinging at too many first pitches because when you track Moneyball, when you keep that, that, that framework of stats, the one stat you prize is first pitch average. And unfortunately, the nature of first pitch average is it's a very, not very telling stat. You can swing and miss at the first pitch and your first pitch average is zero. You can hit the next pitch over the fence and your first pitch average is zero. It's mm-hmm. not It's not a reflection of how you are actually competing in the game. But when you're, when the people that pay your, you know, pay your bills basically come into town and tell you what to do, you do it. And as someone who was hurt at the time and was just happy to be in the stands with the pitchers with the radar gun, like dicking around, I'm watching this happen and just like, dude, it's the seventh inning and we like have like a hit. What the fuck is going on? Like, and it's because we're once the other team knows your philosophy, they will absolutely exploit it. Of course. Uh Like it's, it's when you used to play the A's at most levels, you could just throw the ball down the middle because they were trained to take the first pitch. It would depend situationally for sure. Not all guys are robots, but the better volume of guys are going to be trained like that. And that's kind of where one of the holes can be. You're, you're the, the, the micromanagement stats of how you are trying to, to quantify the game become very touchy. They become very, very untruthful of what's actually going on. And that to me is, is kind of that reflection of when you have those people in those positions of help, if they don't have the experience, I still believe they do offer help to people. If they have the humility of understanding where their help is from, you have never hit in a stadium like that against a guy like that. If you understand that and they're just cool with that, it's the same way I haven't done what you've done. It's not to diminish it. It's just to try and like, let's keep ourselves in the right lanes to see where, where we actually need help because having all the stats in the world is, is just objectively, it's just information until you use it one way or another. But, but when you have that, that much information, in a in a game where and we're talking if we're talking about hitting if you're successful 3 out of 10 times having an over excess of information is is typically not going to change that and it's all, and if it does it's not going to make it better and that becomes kind of that like the the stats that dictate the game like 
why have strikeouts become more okay? And it's kind of like when the powers that be say it's okay, it becomes okay. Where in, yeah. rea- in reality, like in the minor leagues, striking out 100 times used to be near near death sentence. You better be all world <laughs> talent if you're striking out 100 times a year. Yeah. Now, you and I both know that is very, very true. Am I right? Yeah. Now, to anyone who would look at a stat line across the minor leagues, I don't care if it's the best players, a, lo- a far greater volume of them are striking out 100 times. And it's not to Absolutely. say, and it's not to say they're worse. It has nothing to do. Like the, the stats I've looked at that I think are very interesting to observe are fewer hits in a season and more strikeouts. Like I've seen across the board, even the like award-winning players in the minor leagues seem to be having fewer numbers of hits. They're playing less games. It could be, dude, it could be a protocol thing. I don't know. I don't play anymore. They could be limiting guys to how many games they're playing. I, I don't know. I know I know some guys get throttled on. I know pitchers definitely have inning counts and pitch counts and right. It's but it's more it's weird to see, especially knowing it's a hundred and forty four game season. How are you only playing a hundred games? Like what 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 <laughs> hap- what happened in there? Because I know I know why I only played 100 games. I was hurt all the time. If if you are not hurt, if that is not part of that 90 games and and 100 plus strikeouts, you know, that's the that's what I'm really interested in in getting into. Like why is it that with all of this and by the way, the stats once again, stats stats are what happened. Stats don't project anything. Projections are looking at stats of what happened, looking at the guy and being like, it looks like he's probably going to do that again. He doesn't that's seem what, to. That's, and that's what analytics is. Analytics is probability. It's not, it's not, it's not guaranteed. And, and when, when a player doesn't produce like the, like the data says he's supposed to, it's bad luck. That's what they say. <laughs> they say it's bad luck. He's, or the team just got unlucky. It's not. Oh, the numbers are wrong. They they don't they don't recognize. You know, it's probability. And these these number guys are so defensive of it. It's it's just because the numbers say it's it's likely to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. The, and uh, the numbers and are that, static that, in history. They're done. They're not doing anything you know, but, anymore. And you can you can twist numbers in so many different ways. And. and uh, what's your, what's your philosophy yeah what is your philosophy it's it's just you know that's the that's the man you think about it and and then when again when when it doesn't happen it's like oh well that's just bad luck and, or, or or if it does if, if you know a guy makes the pitch and a guy holds on or whatever the heck it's called and he gets a hit oh geez we're, we're just that guy just got lucky or we're so unlucky no <laughs> that's that's just that's just baseball, man. Yeah, that's what it is. It's and, a uh, yeah. It's an interesting. It's an interesting blind spot in your your view of the game. Like if you've yeah. if you've never let, let's say this, I would say this to anyone who would say that. Be like, then you are playing the wrong game, especially if you're on the hitting side of it. Look at that fucking stat and tell me what the fuck seems fair. About a hundred percent of the work I do is going to thirty percent of fucking success you show me where that makes sense and why the fuck i should listen to your bullshit about luck 
based on mm-hmm. a, once again, a projection that has nothing to do with my personal life and how I feel today, has nothing to do with the guy who's fucking trying to get me out today, it has nothing to do with any of that. And that's, that's the thing that, once again, when you get out of your lane because you are inferring you know something be, just because, you can't give me a good reason, that's when it becomes problematic. That's when there's that butting of heads. If I go ask someone a question and, and just get the answer I'm looking for, I, I have, there we go. That's exactly what you must have been there for. But if you come and tell me something that you think you know, that's when it becomes a... It's one thing if you're someone who, okay, you're the one who teaches me when I'm in the cage. You're the one who also played this game for a decade before me and also did this. That's an entirely different, like, trust tree to kind of uh, hunker down under than, hey, this is what the numbers say. Like, yeah. like, dude, that and that's the thing of, like, just the baseball, like, the ridiculous, the ridiculous stats you can pull out of baseball. Like... Why the fuck would you, why would I believe you have a hold on this? That sounds ridiculous to me. And it's like, I may not even be able to, I definitely at that time in baseball couldn't articulate it that well, but there was not near that volume of influence on stats and how they're perceived to be the end all be all of what baseball should be. They're just simply a way of quantifying something in a businessy kind of way, because otherwise you can't. Yeah. Well, and, and, and one other one other point here, kind of, not necessarily, uh, yeah, I guess on, on, the, on the nerd spectrum, when you look at general managers around the game now, um, almost none of them play. Starting to you know, change they're all, they're again. All Ivy, they're all Ivy League, uh, you know. It, yeah, a couple, a couple majors. now. Yeah, a couple uh, now, you know, Chris, thankfully. Chris, yeah, Chris Young was hired by the Rangers in the offseason. He played 13 years in the majors. You know, he he's an intelligent guy, but I I I just you know, and and when Nolan Ryan was, was the president of the, the the Rangers, you know, very visible. It just it just you know it just lends some credibility. And you know, and I'm I'm friends with John Daniels, so I'm not trying to bash John Daniels, but um, you know, there's a, there's just a credibility factor when when you've done it, and and you know, a, a player to player type of thing. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it just it just, you know, I, re- I remember players, you know, pitchers at, at the time with the Rangers saying, yeah, I mean, Nolan, Nolan is great. They, they went to Nolan and Nolan told them stuff. And, and whether it was right or it was wrong, it was the, it was the word of, it was the word of God, you know, I mean, and, and uh, I, I just, I, I think that teams would benefit by having more former players in, in, in executive, executive roles who were, in constant communication with, with, uh, players and, and, you know, and, you know, Chris Young knows what it's like to, to not make a team or to, you know, to be sent down, to be traded. I just think it, it teams will benefit more or would benefit more if they had an actual former player who'd been through all these experiences telling so-and-so, Hey, we just traded you or we're putting you on waivers or, or, or whatever it is. And, uh, I, I, I think teams would be better off just from a cultural culture standpoint, if that were the case. Is it, would you say it's arguable that any positions that within or surrounding the sport for the most part would having that credential would immediately give you the opportunity to probably 
do a better job. Like, hypothetically, an entire front office is comprised of former players. The context of that isn't they're just slack-jawed dipshit players. They are articulate people that could handle those jobs. It would sure. be interesting to see how the flow of that team would go when all of those people have been in that position and have some type of understanding or empathy for everything going on. And, mm-hmm. the, and that's where I always, it's, it's a scenario. It's an exercise. It's never going to happen. There's not enough guys that are trained enough to do that. There's no owner who's willing to give up that kind of control. It's just, it's a really, that is a very utopic thought, but the reality is being being able to jump into that skin for a second and feel what it feels like in the moment is very valuable to once again the opportunity of giving a good uh, a good bit of information or perspective or a bit of advice and that's that's what you lack when you just are doing it off of a sheet of numbers and you're not taking in the context of the game you're actually talking about, you know, that's when you can't diminish what happens out there to just smoke and mirrors or this or that. It's like, you know, once again, even the guys, the guys who who are in the books, like, and this is more of more of that, that note to hitters. Like I'm very aware of where I land on the spectrum. The reality is if you're objectively looking at the success rate of what you did, it's dog shit. It's three out of ten times. It's yeah. that, and now the context of that is, it's fucking amazing how much work can go into so little outcome, so little return of success, but actually net you a very unique experience because <laughs> the journey to get there typically starts with doing it for fucking nothing, and that's that's to me where. My, you know, I, I signed for enough money to say basically until I got to the majors, my bonus and the very little bit of money I made every year, I averaged about 20, 20 to 25 K a year. So not, not something most people would devote every day of your life to for that period of time for such, just such a little return, unless it was your passion. That's typically what people do with their passions. And I'll be honest, like it was the only thing I knew how to do at the time, passion or not. So it was kind of like, you better just fucking do this. Like you kind of don't know what else to do. And this seems to be working. So aside from the fact that you really like it. And, and I know this is just honest because most other guys do it long enough for the same reason. I don't know what else I would do. And that that's part of the problem when you now have this culture coming in that has been broadcasting their baseball life since it started 10 or 12 years ago now. And they don't know anything about the real world and how it doesn't give a shit about the play you made last night in your summer game or the college Homer or the, this or this, because, you know, even, even myself, that's the bigger thing I really want to help players with is acclimating to getting out of the game. If you actually leave the game, you know, is, Um, and a lot of it's just it just having the conversation of like what is it you'd want to do and how do you think you'd go about it like where where are you like are you happy are you you know like there's just so many things that come into play that you can't quantify on a piece of paper and say this guy's going to do this if he's healthy mm-hmm. there's a good chance he's going to do well but 
I, I don't know that anybody could say what he's actually going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 couple, a couple points. Um, <laughs> going back to, you know, former players becoming front office to tell you this. Look, the, most of them, a lot, a lot of them have made a ton of money and don't want to. You know, Michael Young, uh, he's a special assistant to the Rangers. The Rangers have tried to hire him as GM multiple times, and he won't do it because, A, he made a shit pile of money when he played, and, and now, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get into headaches. He's, and you know, he's got three kids. He, you know, spends time with them. He can play golf whenever he wants. And then the other, the other, the other name I've, I've heard this a lot of times that, that that this guy is so smart he could do whatever he wants in the game. Is Greg Maddox, uh, you know, Hall of Famer, unbelievable pitcher, um, good dude. I don't know if you've ever met him. Great guy, but um, you know, he he's turned down opportunities to coach because he wanted to to help, you know, he wanted his kids to be out of college. He want, his, his son played in college. He wanted to help with that. He didn't really want to coach anymore. Um, and again, he made a ton of money. Why would he want to put up with it? So it, it, so, so that's my point. To your point, the guys you want to help aren't Greg Maddox and, and Michael Young. They don't, you know, a, a big misconception uh, with the public is that if you're a baseball player, you're a millionaire. And, and, you're set for life and that's just not the case in a lot of cases and um you know when when you do retire you got to find something to do or when the when the game tells you you're retired you got to find something to do and uh you know some people try to stay around coaching um you know stay around the game for you know as a professional coach as a minor league coach some people do hitting lessons on the side but it takes it takes it, it's hard to find a, a calling. And I think you have, you know, you, you're doing something now that you really want to do and, and you professionally, and, and now you, you, you see other players who are, who are in a similar spot that you were, who, you know, injuries or, you know, whatever you, you had, to, you, you were done. And um, people are just kind of floundering out there. And those are the people I think you want to help. Just yeah, just really trying to cultivate that that purpose in people, you know that like, um, you know I definitely believe a lot of our own anxieties are centered around things we typically can't accomplish, you know outside of outside of not being able to pay a bill or this or that, you know going to work like the mundane dealing with the mundane shouldn't be there shouldn't be anxiety associated with the fact that you're easily going to be able to physically overcome this today you know mm -hmm. ment mentally it's understandable if you don't want to deal with the bullshit like that's that's totally understandable that's that to me is like baseball is such a bubble an unfiltered bubble probably has more more of a filter on it now because of uh the diversity that that is now baseball there's there's more women there's more like i i imagine clubhouse banter is not the same you know good good batter and different I'm just talking like I I think it's a unique environment when you have everything unfiltered because you know basically you you see that the worst of the worst is, does not typically rise to the top like most of the time it is a good situation um and it isn't about the worst of things but uh it is understandable that it you know it's why you start to see like 
it's interesting to to I was having this thought the other day. I was like, man, it, it sucked as a kid. Like, you make the same out, and you have to like kind of pocket your your swear word. Like, you can't you can't just air out an f bomb after you cross, you know, after you strike out or um, get thrown out at first or whatever. And it's interesting. Once again, the insulation of that is incredible to just be able to scream it. Like, I re- I've had <laughs> I've had two strikes on me more times than I can think of with a preloaded fuck ready for number three. Like, it's 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 coming out, and if we're at home, everybody's going to hear it because it's going to go quiet. If we're on the road, everybody's going to hear it even if they're cheering because I yell very loud, and it really upsets me when I do this three time, three to four times a game. So that's that's kind of the, the interesting part that I really, having lived in that that world, it really is trying to help those those guys understand what you've put yourself through for once again so typically such a little return on success now when you reapply that amount of effort and and desire and tenacity to go do most other things you may only fail learning to do it simply one time and that's not bad but you just have to understand the nature of like what you've been doing and how you've been kind of paid on your success to the relative nature of like, you would only do that if it was something you loved like that. If I could explain the nature of three for 10, but that's the part of like out in the real world, nobody's fucking paying you shit to do anything three out of 10 times. Good. Like, right. You're just, that's, that is truly what I really would love to help. Uh, people exiting that world understand because the amount of purpose you have left in you is so great and the amount of influence you have is still there a lot of it is just about learning learning to acclimate outside of that bubble yeah and you know baseball is a sport of failure and uh, you might have uh, you know these kids you mentioned it who start playing select ball when they're seven or eight and uh, you know my 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 son is uh, has been has been recruited by teams and he's eight. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to let him do it. I'm, I'm just not going <laughs> to let him crazy. do it. Yet. And uh, anyway, that's where that's where the entitlement starts. And that's kind of where the bubble starts because you're getting you know you're getting pumped full of uh, as, as you as you ride and you go to you know the perfect game camps if you're really good and all that stuff in the summer and you get drafted or you go to college. And, you're being told all along that, that your shit doesn't stink. And, and you know, maybe when you get to pro ball right away, you struggle. Or, or maybe you don't struggle until you, you get to triple A or you get to the majors. But you don't know how to handle it. And, and so, I, you know, that, that's just something that, that again, I mean, base, baseball will humble you. You, you, you hear people say that a lot. You can, you can have a 10-game hitting streak and then go, you know, 10 more games without getting, you know, not 10 games without getting hit, but going to a, you know, a five for 60 or something. And, uh, you know, base, baseball is, you will fail more than you will succeed. And, and I think it's, it's understanding that. I mean, you know, the, the, the one thing that I, I think being around the sport has taught me is I, like, I can hand, I handle failure better because I've seen a team lose, lose five straight games and be like, eh, it's no big deal. You know, and then they go out, they go out and win the, the, you know, go, go out and go to the World Series. The Rangers 
I think had, if memory serves, they had a six game losing streak to the end of the first half in 2010 and they end up in the world series. You know, it, it's, it's just learning how to, how to still be great and do your job when things are going against your team or going against you personally. And it, it's, it's understanding that being able to uh, process it, that, that, you know, not just baseball players, but it's, it's a life thing. I, I definitely think, um, you know, definitely agree with you on that. It's, if you can process baseball with that same filter, the rest of life will typically open up quite a bit more because the reward system in baseball is not the same as real life. When you, once again, that, that volume of effort, very specifically targeted, is almost always going to net you a better outcome more often than three out of 10 times, especially once you learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. But, if you once again, if you if if you have a maybe even a natural propensity starting off in general, just trying new things, let alone your experiences coming out of this bubble and dealing with, like you said, all of those all of those mental contributors, what is going to be the nature of how you react to uh, adversity? You know, especially like once again, if you have been in that, you know, <laughs> it's almost like you're you're going from bubble to bubble to bubble as you go through these transitions uh, of, of age, but also of talent, skill, you know, from, you know, uh, let's say if you do go to a good high school and you do get into that varsity bubble and you are one of the better players that gets a little more preferential treatment from time to time. Like it, it's, it's not that that's how it always is, but it is like that. And for the, the volume of guys that make it there, if a percentage of them are like that, it's going to influence how the culture of the game is. You know, if the if if you know basically the amount of travel ball and all of that ha- has truly grown probably exponentially since I was a kid, um, and since I played that, like U Triple S A A B C, those types of things, and it's it's there's more people in the world, you know, so there's more kids to play. But I think just the um, the way that social media has connected them all. And, you know, like I, I know there's, isn't there hitting and throwing programs that are like national, like, like, like the program itself has a ranking system that you can tap into or, you know, each, uh, each facility has like the records and all these things. And um, I'm, I'm, I would, it wouldn't surprise me. I can't, I can't confirm that for sure, but I think, I think players absolutely know where they stand, you know, um, uh, you know, and you know, you know, scouts scouts go to all these, you know, big uh, showcase events, and um, they, you know, players know. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And it's, uh, you know, <laughs> that's, that's that's a lot to handle when you're 16. You know, trying to figure out if you're better than this guy or. How to how to get better than this guy? It, 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 that's some rough stuff, man. It's it's something that other than dealing with it on the field of competition, you really shouldn't ever have to give it too much thought. You know, like if there shouldn't be the opportunity to give it that much thought. You know, other than mm-hmm. maybe watching through the chain link at another game that you're waiting to play because you're the next game on the field, or um, but but otherwise, like you really shouldn't. 
if you're that concerned with it, like, what are you doing outside of baseball? Like, holy shit, like, you have no life. Like, <laughs> like, are you doing anything? Are you doing anything other than baseball? And that's, that's kind of the difference I think we could, we could agree on, um, you know, even with our, our slight, our slight gap in age, the, the more analog practice of just doing things for the sake of doing them or for fun or like the, the spirit of competition being in just the journey of the game kind of thing. That's, yeah. that's where I think has, there's, there's some apparent value given to being, having this, this, um, you know, holding this crown for this period of time. And that's, the, that's the crazy thing is like, it's going to serve you best to not pay attention to all that because this game doesn't care. And you may be peaking right now. Like you may get hurt tomorrow. You may this, that, and the other. It's just, you have to like, this game is, is if your expectations are very on par with what happens. And once again, it's, I've always kind of been like that. So it's, it's easy to, for someone to say otherwise, but, but truthfully, my expectations of playing baseball my entire life have been do good and I've gotten to the next place. My goal has mm-hmm. been to do good and I've gotten to the next place. And each one of those those jumps or incremental like I have constantly gotten the shit kicked out of me every every jump up. Like and and in some time in some instances by players that actually ended up playing professionally and were my age. They were just up before me and kicked the shit out of me. But, you know, before I had gotten better. So, like, being able to really understand the evolution of how you get better and it truly comes with just a lot of a lot of it is is luck encompassed with timing and your natural ability. And who is the person filtering all this, telling you these things that's kind of able to put your puzzle together at that moment in time? Mm-hmm. That's that's truly what I, I look back at like being a 12 year old kid like my natural ability to just kind of emulate a good movement is what made me a, a better hitter. I could look at something and almost copy it like if you can emulate a swing. Theoretically, you could take that swing into the cage and work with it. It's not to say you're going to be the best player ever, but if you mm-hmm. have some talent behind that, it's going to be far easier to make those adjustments. You know, and that's where I, I, once again, getting to college, I got the shit kicked out of me and then made the adjustment. My coach helped me find the way to make an adjustment and I was successful. Got to rookie ball, similar thing. A ball, A ball, double A, triple A. Like it's, it was constantly this, I've, I'm gaining more understanding of, of how to close the holes, like how to fill in the Swiss cheese I am. But I'm still needing these other pieces. So it's like my expectation is that I'm probably going to need some more information to um, really thrive here. So I hope I do good. <laughs> like, because I've, I've, you know, there's definitely been experiences where you, if you and the coach you're working with don't speak the same language or, you know, you aren't able to articulate what you're feeling and they aren't able to kind of, interpret that for the right adjustment or drill or it's going to be hard it's not going to be fun and that's once again where those stats like when i watch guys change teams i'm always impressed of just when they remain consistent it's just like it's impressive to watch how good guys are when the whole situation changes like yeah 
It's different hitting in a different cage. It's different hitting on a different field. That's where even those, even the fact that the game doesn't change, those, those consistencies, the ability to maintain those consistencies across the game are still very impressive to yeah. play this well in this many different environments over this period of time. But the bubble that you get to do it in is, is, has constantly been getting better and better until I feel like it reached a point where it was just getting inflated, not necessarily better. I, yeah, I can, I can see that. I, I, I think it's to that point. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, obviously, when the media is in the clubhouse, it's only for an hour, hour and a half. Um, so we don't see a lot of the stuff that happens you know, right before a game. We have an idea, but, you know, guys aren't in the clubhouse a lot anymore. Guys are watching video or they're, they're doing something. They're, they're, but they're not like together. And, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's just, there's the, there's just, I think it goes to the, the amenities, you know, the, the thing, the bubble getting, getting better, but really not getting better because, uh, you know, there's places for guys to go take a nap, you know, they're, they're, they're the clubhouses for man. Then go, they can go watch a, they can go watch a movie somewhere. They can go, you know, to a quiet spot and watch a video. It's, it's it's interesting how per- all these amenities have pulled the, te- the team concept, the chemistry concept apart. The personalization, like we can personalize your big league experience almost. Like, there you go. And, and it's and it's a, it's not that that's a bad thing per se, but when you when you're using it in a context that is not beneficial to a team game, you're pulling these individual. You're you're providing these environments to pull these individuals out of the team dynamic. That's mm-hmm. when, you know, once again, it's, it's, you're going to see a team win the world series. That's regardless, but the nature of them meshing together was probably entirely different because their environment probably was more set up to do it. That would be my argument. Um, and arguably probably had regardless of a, of away from the field. Cause it's, it's, it's a job, man. Like you, you clock out, you can go home. You don't have to talk to your work friends. Like you can, you are your own person. I, I truly, I truly, as someone who tries to genuinely just say hi to quite a few people, like I, I, I believe that, especially during the season, like you should never feel, um, obligated to only hang out with the guys on the team. Now, for the most part, they're going to be the only guys that really understand you, depending on what city you're in, if you don't live there or not from there. But I do th- I do have a strong belief because I've been in on teams like that where away from the field, the, the there was very little team, and on the field it was an amazing team. And that's that's to me, is a very unique ability of guys being able to shut it off. And that's, mm-hmm. that's just a, it is unique. It's not, it doesn't happen in, in all those instances, but um, I think it's going to be rarer as these amenities and, or this bubble uh, facilitates few, uh, you know, a lesser need to be in a collective state. You know, basically I, I would basically go do all my work and, and then I'm just in the clubhouse. It would be really weird to do that now and then go in there and just be the only one in there. Like I understand, and I understand guys are in the cage, guys are doing work video. I do get that, but 
it's it's really interesting to see some tumbleweeds roll through there. There's always a few people just hanging out or doing something, and um, if there's not anymore, I would say that's just got to be a true reflection of how much it's actually changed. You know, yeah. if it's if it's if it's like that, it's truly the culture shift in you know America that fuels the um, the culture in American baseball has changed so dramatically that that's that's the change that me or you would notice like walk into a clubhouse at whatever time and be like where the fuck is everybody like like what the hell like what is this like you know i understand and i'm someone who like i'm i'm i understand when the media starts rolling in i can easily walk out of my chair and go where they can't but but to see that just be like a like there's just no one here anytime ever that would be very bizarre like it's just a, it's it's an interesting observation, and and it's kind of one I think, you know, as we continue to do this, it'll be uh, interesting to kind of get these updates on these types of observations as that bargaining agreement starts to come closer to a head, and as um, these issues start to become more prevalent in the press about what's just happening, and um, you know, seeing what both sides have to say about it. That can be pretty, buddy. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, and, and that's the interesting thing is someone who, as someone myself personally pays very little attention to that side of it, talking to someone who absolutely understands what's happening in there. It's, it's very funny to, uh, know that there's just fireworks coming. Yeah. But, um, yep. dude, uh, otherwise Jeff Wilson, I, I appreciate the time and, um, I definitely know you had, uh, something very, very near to you. You wanted to. Uh, be able to plug here and um, uh, yeah. once again I just wanted to appreciate Jeff for coming but uh, dude uh, fire away whenever sure uh, I, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to be quick uh, in, in 2014 there was a sports writer in South Fort Worth who covered the Rangers his name was Richard Durrett and one day Richard died he was he was a year younger than me he was 38 I'll never forget it uh, we were in Oakland um, and you Darvish pitched. That's about all I remember about the game uh, because we found out about it that that day, that night. And um, he had a he has a wife. He had a wife, uh, two two young kids. She was pregnant with her third. And uh, so what we did, uh, a lot of us in the media, uh, somehow arranged a, uh, a benefit uh, concert, and we raised the family a bunch of money. And then a smaller group of us <laughs> decided, you know what? Let's make let's make a foundation and help out other families going through the same stuff. Where you know a, a parent, a primary financial component of a family suddenly is gone, and so we created the Do It for Durrit Foundation, and you can find it at www.doitfordurrit.com. And basically, um, since since we we formed the foundation officially. Uh, we've raised more than a million dollars, and we've helped hundreds of families in, in Dallas-Fort Worth. But even even now, we're starting to stretch uh, out, outside of the state. So um, we, we'd love your help and support. Um, you can make donations at the website I mentioned here previously. But um, it, it, is, it is something that um, is, is, is it's one of the better things I've ever done, you know, have, having a family and and. and and try and find out a way to give back that I never expected would happen. So um, thanks for letting me mention that. I really appreciate it. 
No, absolutely. And, and that's definitely, you know, the point of doing this is really to be able to just um, kind of unpack the entire spectrum of, of everybody's experience. So uh, definitely thank you for sharing. And, and we'll definitely have a, a link for that uh, in, the, uh, in the description of the episode. But once again, Jeff, thank you for coming on. And um, everyone else, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you again for listening. And as always, Corner of the Clubhouse is sponsored by Roadrunner CBD. Roadrunner CBD is a family-owned CBD wellness brand that focuses on providing high-quality, full-spectrum hemp products. Please go to roadrunnercbd.com and begin your CBD journey today.